What is up, Josh Buchanan? How are you doing today, fine sir? I'm doing all right. Uh, got some stuff done around the house here uh, before the storm kicked in. Oh, buddy, it's flooding down this way. I had to leave for work about 30 minutes earlier because I wasn't sure if I'd be able to make it through my little holler or not. Well, it's definitely a good thing you made it. Just make sure you stay safe out there and, you know, just make sure you let us know if you need anything. Uh, I'll be good. So how's your week been? Uh, <laughs> been a little crazy, to say the least. I don't know what's been in the water, but... Uh, yeah, this week's, I'm glad it's finally over. I don't blame you. I do not blame you at all. My week just got started. I hear you there. So, uh, I hear you got into uh, DoorDash now. I have gotten into DoorDash, my guy. Um, I'm going to do it uh, on the days I have off, unless I have other... Uh, other responsibilities going on and uh i'll also do them on the days that to like if i wake up at like eight nine o'clock in the morning talena's at work till five or six i'll just door dash till she gets home i hear you make a little extra money on the side looking forward to it man i'm also looking forward to going back to school yeah i hear you there so you said you start in the fall, correct? Yes, sir. All right. I guess my guy Scotty's having a little bit of trouble. Yeah. We'll give him a few more minutes. I guess if he don't hop on, we'll get into what we're doing. But uh, how's Courtney been? I know she uh, decided not to take that job. Mm. Yeah, and from what she told me out of respect for her I won't dive into it too much but there's some good reason so I support her with it oh that's I actually so, got my, I actually got my uh wedding ring in today hey there you go I I gotta look at it and try it on she just wanted to make sure it fit and then I gave it back to her but it's a uh, sterling silver um and it has little crosses there are about four of them there you well, go, man. And it has forever and always engraved in the inside of it, so it's really nice. I like it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I finally got my stuff in from Amazon, so uh, everything fits, and so we're ready to roll. Yes, sir. I can't tell shot. you. I can't tell you how excited, but how nervous I am, man. It's. Oh, I. I bet you are a nervous wreck. No question about it. Like, when I first uh, proposed to her over a year ago, I mean, it felt like a year was going to be forever, and now we're, tomorrow makes two weeks till the day. Mm. I can't remember. Did you ever tell me how you proposed? Um, I actually involved her sons. Well, I guess my stepsons now. Um, yeah. I wrote on, a, I bought two pieces of poster board, and on one side I wrote, will you, and then on the second side I put, marry me, 
And uh, I had her go down to the car. I told her I picked her up something. And she walked down the hill of the car, and I had the boys grab the signs. And when she came back in, I got down on the one knee and uh, had the boys flip the signs to say, will you marry me? And then it's kind of how it went. Well, I hear you. It's pretty solid. Hey, it all works out in the end as long as you get the answer you're looking for. I'll give it about 30 more seconds, and I guess if something happens, he manages to hop on, we'll just integrate him into the conversation. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll get it all knocked out there. It's it's an adjustment whenever you're just hopping on to something for the first time and thinking you need all this, this, and this, because that was kind of how I was whenever I hopped on to it the first time. Then I realized how easy it was. Man, it was just download the app. Uh, I guess fill out your account information and bam, you're on there. Now, I'm going to be in and out periodically because I am at work, so I will have work-related responsibilities, but I'm tired of putting the podcast on hold. I hear you. Uh, what's going to be a signal word? Uh, that way I kind of know uh, how to keep the show running. What would be a good uh, signal word? Um, it's hard to say. Let's see. Mm. How about gotcha? Yeah. Yeah, gotcha is a good one. Okay, yeah, well, so. uh, we're about six minutes in, and I guess Scotty's just having trouble with his thing, so I guess we'll start the show. So, what's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? Uh, you already knew that, but it's Shrews from the Shrews cast, and as always, we're joined by our co-host, Josh Buchanan. We're ready to dive into some Star Wars, some video games, some NFL drafts, and, of course, the NBA playoffs. So, let's get into it. Let's do it. All right, man, so you have been telling me that you have been uh, exploring the Star Wars series of games. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there one that's really stuck out to you, kind of, that you really like a lot? Um, there's a few of them that I'm kind of going through. Uh, whenever I have some downtime at work and I have my Switch with me right now, I've been kind of going through uh, The Force Unleashed. And now this Switch uh, version of the game that you can get off the uh, eShop, it's uh, it's like 20 bucks. It's actually a port of the Nintendo Wii version of the original game. But what works to our advantage is the cheat codes still work. Every single one of the cheat codes from the original Wii version of Star Wars The Force Unleashed works. Man, I miss cheat codes in video games. Yes, that's what I want to lead into. Man, the original PS1 and PS2, those were king for cheat codes. Yeah, man. Uh, it's just like I would buy tips and tricks and Game Informer and stuff just to get the cheat codes for all the various games for the various systems because 
There was a time I actually collected Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony consoles. I hear you. Yeah, it's it's, too expensive for me nowadays. It's a lost art these days, the the cheat code, but it actually leads into Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, which came out not too long ago. It actually has a few codes here and there, so it's nice to see that in some realms they actually still exist. Yeah, uh, there's actually this, uh, it's an indie-developed game. For the life of me, I can't remember what it's called, but a YouTube channel I watched that covers video games was discussing it. And the whole, you know how, like, games are unintentionally made with glitches? Right. Well, this game purposely puts glitches in for you to find. Huh. It's, it's really, it's a cool concept that's never been explored before, and I thought it was fascinating. That's funny, actually. I I might have to check that one out. But um, other than those two, um, I've been playing a remake of uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order that came out for the PS4, but it's been upgraded now for PlayStation 5. So I've been kind of getting into that, and that one picks up uh, sometime after Order 66, and you're playing as one of the last surviving uh, Jedi. And I tell you, man, the lightsaber customization options in this game is absolutely unreal. Not It's not just choosing your color. You get to modify everything from the hilt or the handle to the, to the lightsaber emitter that, you know, emits the light. Um, it has everything down to a T to where you can really have some full customization. Now, did you ever collect lightsabers growing up, like toy replica lightsabers? I still have, believe it or not, right now. They came out with some of those, uh, the new, like, FX-style lightsabers uh, that were based on the Star Wars movies and everything. Right. I have, I have the green... Luke Skywalker's saber from uh, Return of the Jedi. Right. That's one of the one I still have to this day. I got it as a Christmas gift. And believe it or not, I actually had Star Wars Battlefront as a gift as well with that. So you can imagine when I lit the title screen, I lit that lightsaber up the first time. You know something, man? I've just realized about you. What's that? You're you're more of a pop culture kind of guy in general, not just video games. And you know, seeing you know you know your Star Wars and you're like honestly, out of all my friends, I don't have a friend that has a similar interest to as I do as you. Like you have the closest. Well, and believe it or not, speaking of Star Wars, I actually picked up from uh, Amazon. It came in a couple days ago. A uh, comic book series uh, that's actually about Darth Vader. And the story takes place right at the part of episode 3 where Anakin becomes Vader. And Emperor Palpatine tells him that Padme is dead. Yeah. it's It's an entire 25 volume hardback cover that's bound into one. So that was actually a pretty cool uh, 
find that I found recently. When it comes to books and stuff, man, uh, I'm a huge fan. I know this is kind of off topic, but I'm a huge fan of the Hardy Boys case files. Yeah, I used to read those all the time. Like, the ones that are more mature, they deal with things like terrorism and murders and stuff, as opposed to, like, what I call, like, the Scooby-Doo original Hardy Boys, where, you know, yeah. it, was, it, it was a bank robber, you know, like, you know, like a classic tr- yeah, villain. Stuff, yeah, stuff like that, yeah. But I didn't realize how expansive the lore of Star Wars was until just recently. Like, I didn't realize there were all these paperback novels written and then of course there are the movies and I, like I thought the mm-hmm. universe was just kind of contained to the, the I mean until Disney got the rights and created more movies I thought it was just kind of contained to the seven original films well now you know that there's a whole expansive universe out there and it also goes to show too that you know, not every Jedi was killed during Order 66. There were some that were missed. Right. Like, for example, Cal Kestis, who is the main character for uh, Jedi Fallen Order. He is one of the last surviving Padawan. And he's having to rediscover the stuff that he learned in training through different visions and whatnot. Excuse me. And then you also get to travel back to different places, especially to a planet called uh, Dathomir, where uh, one Darth Maul was from. Everybody's favorite double-bladed lightsaber wielder. Darth Maul was my favorite Star Wars villain. I mean... He was he was incredible, and the thing about him was he didn't really have to say a word because just the look was enough to send terror. And then, I mean, uh, in Queen's Darth Vader's Darth Vader, you know, right? But, but Darth Maul was that very different type where you didn't have to really say much with him. He was. He, he knew what his mission was. And Qui-Gon Jinn's my favorite Jedi. You know, I like I like Qui-Gon as well, but I also like uh, Ewan McGregor's uh, take on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, that's, uh, Cause, that's good choice. Because his, one-liner, his one-liners are just absolutely hilarious. But the reason but, I like Qui-Gon Jinn is actually kind of weird i guess well go ahead and dive into it i used to bowl at aculanes i don't know if you remember aculanes it's right past the mcdonald's and the hardy's and beckley on the right uh near leicester square correct near leicester square yeah yep i think it's like turned into what like a boy uh, is it a boy scout center now or something i can't remember i i, I just where my aunt's church bought it and uses it to like as like a printing press for like uh, paper they do, but I don't know. They could have sold it since I last heard anything, but I know at one point Mons Church over there in Beckley had something to do with it. Well, and they may still do. I just can't remember. But that bowling lane, uh, Allie used to have this thing called Spotlight Bowling, where if it was your birthday 
or you if or your name randomly got picked out of a hat, you had to knock down as many pins and two throws as you were old. So like if you were ten plus, you had to roll a strike or a spare. Huh. And, and uh, if you did that, you got to go up to the counter where the owner of the alley was and pick out a toy. Well, on my, I think it was ninth birthday, I bowled a strike and I walked up there and there was this Lego set with Qui-Gon Jinn and Darth Maul and uh, oh, young man. Obi-Wan. And I picked that out and then I watched the movies and stuff. And I just, I was like, I guess, it, I guess it's childhood nostalgia that uh, influenced my choice, but I thought it was pretty cool. No, that actually is really cool, and uh, but you know a lot. One of the better, uh, one of the better upper echelon Jedi though, is uh, one Mace Windu because only Samuel L. Jackson can get away with a purple lightsaber. That's fair. You know that's. I mean, you gotta give credit where credits due. That's actually pretty cool. That. Uh, he wanted a purple lightsaber, and George Lucas was like, you're going to have a purple lightsaber. <laughs> he like, no questions about it. Because really, that's what actually started the lore of all the different colors of the lightsaber. Because originally, it was what? Blue, green, red. Right? Right. But now adding that purple in there, it added in a lot of the colors you also see in Jedi Fallen Order. You got purple, you got indigo, you got magenta, you got the light blue, uh, the uh, cyan, cyan, or however it's pronounced. Uh, I believe that was the one that Anakin first used uh, when he was starting his Jedi training. Um, there's yellow, there's orange. So there's there's all kinds of it now instead of just your standard blue, green, red. That, so, is, that is very awesome. I, 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 like I said, been a long time since i brushed up on star wars lore so i i'm i would consider myself like novice to intermediate on star wars knowledge i don't know where you would gauge yourself uh i'd say i'm probably maybe a little intermediate at best i've been picking up some studies and stuff like that um now i'm novice when it comes to more of the piloting portions of the uh Star Wars lore, but uh, another game I've been playing leading into that was, is uh, Star Wars Squadrons, where you take either the Rebel Alliance or the Galactic Empire, and you're either in like the X-Wing Rebel Alliance type fighters, or you're in the TIE fighters that the Empire uses, and basically you're fighting the wars in the skies, and I think honestly they did the controls for the flying <laughs> on this one I think better than what EA was trying to do with Battlefront. Right. Now, don't get me wrong, but it was good to see Battlefront back and everything like that, but EA and their microtransactions are just, I don't know. But Squadrons doesn't feel, have that same feel as what a Battlefront does in that kind of a sense. But that's also what attracted me to Jedi Fallen Order is that it's strictly single player, strictly learning how to use your Jedi skills and gaining your Force abilities as opposed to already having them with like doing heroes versus villains going with Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader or whatever the like may be. 
So it'll be interesting to uh, to see what happens. Now I know that there's a sequel in development for Jedi Fallen Order, but no release date or anything yet has been announced on that front. There's a few Star Wars games that are actually in development. I know one of them was uh, leaked out called Star Wars Eclipse. Now, I'm not really sure what all that is. All of these are like in early, early development, so we'll see when any of them get released or whatnot. And We'll know, I guess, some more information when the Star Wars week of celebration, like I think it's May 26th through the 29th. So we'll know some more information to talk about after you get back uh, from your uh, honeymoon. So we'll have that lined up for a future show, so be sure to stay tuned for that. But nonetheless, you know, and you know Star Wars has an appeal when even Courtney has a favorite character, and it's uh, Grogu or Baby Yoda from The Mandalorian, because we have things of Baby Yoda all over this house. (laughs) I'm not... I'm doing my best to not sound misogynistic when I say this, but from what I've discovered, a lot of females' favorite Star Wars characters, Baby Yoda. That that rings true for my fiance as well. And it's good reason too, though. He's got that appeal that reaches all over. You know? Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Sorry. Oh, no. It'll be interesting to see where they end up going with uh, little Grogu's development and everything. But the Mandalorian, though, have to mention, one of the better Star Wars series that's been put out there. Absolutely. I just feel like I have this uh, affination or, for uh, characters that just kind of have a cool bag boy vibe to them. Like, you know... In Avatar, The Last Airbender, I like Prince Zuko. In Dragon Ball Z, I liked Vegeta. In Yu Yu Hakusho, I like T.A. In Naruto, I like Sasuke and Kakashi, you know? I, I just go for those cool, edgy characters, and I don't understand why, because that that's not me at all. Well, you could throw Count Dooku into the conversation there from the earlier uh, Star Wars films. Yeah, uh, so I wanted to ask you, how many characters' lightsabers have you owned? For me, it's Count Dooku's. I owned uh, Mace Windu's. I've owned uh, Darth Maul's. I've owned Darth Vader's. I've owned Qui-Gon. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, it's just, <laughs> we have very inconsistent internet quality. Uh, I know especially I do because... This guard shack I'm currently working at is really hit or miss when it comes to Wi-Fi. It usually does pretty good until like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, uh, and that was actually a glitch on my end, so I send my apologies. But to answer your question, uh, I have owned... I know I've owned Dooku's and Darth Maul and... Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Luke Skywalker are the ones that I've owned. And before we continue on into the conversation, let's be some good hosts here and welcome in our guest for the week. And let's bring in one Scotty Laxton to the Shrewscast. Scotty, how are you, man? Hey, guys. Can you hear me all right? Hear you just fine. Yeah, we got you loud and clear. 
Man, you know people I had to go through to get this. This is crazy. My phone started acting all crazy all of a sudden out of nowhere. But anyway, man, thank you guys for having me on. And uh, I'm excited. This is, my, this is like my podcast day. About this. And thank you guys. Here, here. I feel blessed. Hey, glad we could have you. So uh, let's let's bring you in here. How privy are you to uh, anything Star Wars related, anything to the franchise? Uh, well, I grew up watching – you know, uh, New Hope. Okay. Fire um, Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. So I've seen I've seen everything pretty much all the movies that Star Wars has to offer all through Rise of Skywalker. I've watched both men. You know, pretty pretty good in that. So um, I, I'm probably uh, like I'm going to go ahead and state my claim. I'm probably the oldest guy you guys ever had on your podcast, <laughs> most likely. It's all right. Hey, hey anybody's welcome. No, man, I, I like Star Wars a lot. I've enjoyed it since I was a kid uh, growing up. You know, my, my favorite character. Uh, after I, uh, my favorite character starting off was always Luke Skywalker. That's how I realized how cool Vader was. And the whole, you know, the whole yeah. issue with the, you know, just, just the uniform, just the, the costume he had on, his whole, his whole aura was just crazy to me after I started watching when I got a little bit older. And uh, I heard you guys a while ago uh, talking about like, uh, or Grogu, and um, you were talking about the appeal of uh, like your 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 fiance and everything for, with uh, Baby Yoda. That's that's actually my wife's favorite character too, and I, I just think that has to do with the um, it's the whole Groot appeal, Baby Groot appeal from Guardians of the Galaxy, right? I mean, it's it's the same concept basically, the cute little baby that makes figure. Makes sense actually. Yeah, who does all the cute stuff, and you know, um, it's trickled down to now my my daughter. Her own little baby Yoda doll that she sleeps with. So, all good hey, on baby Yoda. Yeah, I, it just goes to show that anybody can find an appeal to anything as long as it's done in the right way. And, right. you know, this is the prime example of it. But um, I'll throw this question out here to uh, continue some discussion here. We'll backtrack a little bit. What about uh, What about you? Like, what's your go-to... Are, are your favorite type of Star Wars video games? Because I've talked a lot about, you know, the Lego Star Wars series. I'm still in the new Skywalker saga, which has been pretty cool to say the least because of how open world and expansive it really is to incorporate all of the movies uh, and all of the atmosphere involved. But Jedi Fallen Order 2 is like the ch- best Jedi experience that I've had with a Star Wars video game. So, what about you? Like, what's your take on Star Wars video games? What's been good, or what's been stuff that could have been better? Well, I'm gonna be honest with you. I am, I am not nowhere near as privy to you as you guys are on, on the Star Wars video. Game. But I, I will say this: I, I enjoyed uh, with my son the uh, the old Lego Star Wars games. Uh, we've got a couple yeah. of them for for Xbox that they, they were a blast. And I'm gonna again, I'm gonna date myself here. Uh, I go back to the Super Nintendo days of the uh, original Super game. Super Star like, Wars. <laughs> Super Star Wars. Super, Super, yeah. Super Empire Strikes Back was awesome. And that was like my, my favorite one going back then. Back then, I was just blown away by the graphics. Yeah. I, I was a kid. To me, back then, that's what blew my mind. You know, like, so t- to do what they're doing today with Star Wars, 
from what I've seen of the later ones and, you know, following the order, all, all that, man, like it, it's incredible. I, I haven't gotten to dive into it like you guys have. Um, but that, but yeah, you, you were talking about, uh, uh, Lego Star Wars with your son and everything. This one would be a really good one here because it's got not just a certain set of either like three or six films. It's got all nine of them in there fit into that. Awesome. So it's it's definitely worth a, a, a worth a checkout for sure. And awesome. it actually still uses a few little character codes in there to where you can get a few bonus characters. So they they still do exist, guys. The cheat codes <laughs> or character codes still exist. They're not dead yet. Only difference is you don't have to play it on Channel 3, right? <laughs> you don't have to play it on Channel 3. I don't know anything about that. Oh, yeah. we. I've had to turn my TVs to Channel 3 before. so My first game, I, system, my first game system was the NES, Scotty. I got a hand-me-down okay. from my brother. Right. And then I had the, uh, my- and then I had the PS1, and I had that uh, box TV that I had to turn to Channel 3, and it had like that... Uh, like the curved screen or something, because for some reason that curved screen seemed like it did better for some of the older games than what the flat screens do now. Right. My, my first, I remember like being like, uh, you know, I was just blown away by, you know, back then, like, we never seen anything like that. So, I mean, right. Um, Star Wars and everything. I mean, it was like um, I don't remember any, any of the Star Wars games for the NES, but I know when, like I said, with Super Nintendo, they they seemed to like just up the level, level of it, and just yeah. a, you know, just a whole different level of gameplay with it. And I, I really enjoyed them. One that I remember that stuck out when I was growing up was Star Wars Bounty Hunter, where you played as Jango Fett as uh, he was kind of going through the bounty hunter ranks before he became the prototype for what would become the clone army, uh, mm-hmm. alluding to episode two. So that was one I kind of really remember playing a lot when I was growing up. And then me and one of my friends, we played uh, the video game tie into revenge of the Sith. Um, mm-hmm. We played a lot of the uh, dual mode for the lightsaber duels and everything that they had with it. And then I remember on the Xbox, the original Xbox, there was Star Wars Obi-Wan. That was another one that I used to frequent quite a bit because it added to some of the events of uh, Episode 1. That Darth Maul fight was hard. But man, when I finally was able to slice through, that was just like, you know, that video game sense of euphoria when you mm. finally get that one accomplishment that, that you've been reaching for for so long, that was yep. one of one of those moments for me, no doubt. One of my favorite Star Wars games is always Star Wars Battlefront. I always enjoyed that. Okay. For, uh, yeah, so you, and we're talking the original uh, Battlefront. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, not, yeah. Yeah, I always, I always enjoyed that when I played that. Was that, was that GameCube? I can't remember. I think it was GameCube for that one. Yeah, I think there was GameCube, but it was all over GameCube, PS2, Xbox, PlayStation okay. Portable. So it was okay. all over the place. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm. I had it on. Uh, that was probably one of my one of the ones I remember playing. Like as I got older, uh, that I had a blast with. And then I remember the uh, that they had a game out for like the PS1. I think 
to like just it was like a fighting game like it was during the like the whole fighting game craze everybody was trying to be like street fighter and everything and they had like the actual star wars fighting game uh yes, was, masters of terra kasai yes i that, remember yeah. that one masters of terra kasai i just happen to remember that one because i remember seeing the angry video game nerd covering that um <laughs> so but i do i do remember that one and then i remember uh the clone wars was one i frequented on the gamecube because i remember playing as mace windu on the first mission and i thought that that was pretty cool oh yeah mace is an awesome character so what was that good sorry Right what, here. in your opinion, is the hardest mission you've ever played in a Star Wars game? I believe for the one for the N64, one of them was called Shadows of the Empire. Yes, you would be correct. And yes. That mission, where had, that mission where you had to navigate the trains to get to, for the life of me, I forget the name of that assassin robot. Do you remember? Uh, I, think I, I think I know the one you're talking about, but I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. Well, you end up in like a scrapyard, and he blends in perfectly, and you know, Back then, the N64 was great graphics, but I went back to play it recently, and I couldn't tell him apart from the background. So, <laughs> oh, and I remember that. I believe I remember that one right there. I remember. I remember dying like um, I don't know if I ever did beat that one. To be honest with you, that was that was by far the hardest Star Wars mission I've ever done. But like like Scotty, I did. I haven't actually played. I kind of got out of Star Wars after the third movie released in like 2005. I kind of took a hiatus from it. So I haven't, I, the last game I played Star Wars was uh, that like, kind of like Battle, was it, I think the new Battlefront, the newer Battlefront. So the, mm. so the first of, the first of the remake Battlefront. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you didn't really miss much with Battlefront 2 either, other than just a new coat of paint and, you know, a single-player story that you could complete after having a cup of coffee. I may be wrong. This game I'm talking about is kind of like a battle royale in a way. Not exactly. Well, I mean, it... There's no sword. There's no single-player campaign. It's strictly an online multiplayer game. I remember hearing... Yeah, that... Yeah. Excuse I heard a lot me. of people didn't like it. But uh, one of the hardest ones I've played was actually recently because on the Switch was another uh, game, Knights of the Old Republic, which is getting remade uh, for PC and PlayStation 5. No date has been set for release as of yet. Um, but when you first start your Jedi training there and you're battling one that's been in the dark side and you're not yet fully combat ready for it yet it's uh (laughs) that one was a tough one but i finally got through with it and that one was one of the harder ones that i've played recently and then i'll tell you what the the lightsaber battles in jedi fallen order are fun but they are actually pretty tough and it's and it's good you know because you know you want it to be a battle you know there's definitely a lot of uh back and forth but the final battle there when cal kestis meets darth vader basically you cannot you cannot fight vader basically your your main mission 
is to run. Because if you try to fight Vader, it's just, bam, done. Because, I mean, and, you know, it makes sense because Vader is that powerful. He is that in tune with, with the Force, and especially at that point with the dark side, because you think about how tortured of a soul, not just Vader, but the actual Anakin Skywalker. He is probably the most tortured soul that there has ever been in that kind of a franchise because he was a, he was a slave before he was picked up by the Jedi order. Then he felt like he was a slave to the Jedi order. Then he became a slave to Palpatine and losing everything in the process. He lost his mother. He lost his wife. He supposedly lost his kids. And then seeing it all come back full circle, that was, I mean, it created one of the better story arcs for, a villain that I think that I've ever seen. Yes. I, I've always considered uh, he's the Star Wars version. He, he's Thanos, right? I mean, he, he's the Star Wars version of Thanos, only even a more tortured, yeah. more more suffering soul than Thanos was. Thanos lost his, whole, lost his whole planet, and he thought that the only way to, you know, to fix the whole problem in the universe was to kill half the universe. <laughs> yeah, pretty but, much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can, you know, you can test that theory however you want to, but but at the same time, they've I've always connected those two, like Thanos with the with the power and Vader, full powered, full force Vader. They're both like just you know forces of nature, and they're both tortured, and they both can just you know, it makes sense that in that game Vader would just maul you in in no time, just like a snap of yeah. his fingers. Because you think of it too, Cal Kestis at that time is still he's not really even a Jedi Knight. Because he was a Padawan when his master died in Order 66. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's he's definitely still learning at this point. I mean, granted, he'll probably be Jedi Knight by the time the sequel comes out since he's got a new master and, you know, yada yada and stuff like that. Um, but you think of it, Padawan versus Darth Vader, done, over. No, no. <laughs> right. Get, get the coleslaw and serve it up. <laughs> but um we'll uh we'll jump into some other topics here in a second but uh favorite of the star wars movies for the whole board i'll kick off with we'll we'll do it we'll do it kind of by trilogy now i will say empire strikes back is the best of the original one of the few times that the sequel has ever been better than the original uh, prequel movies have kind of a checkered history, but I know they've been kind of actually getting a little bit more positive reception as of late, which is a good thing to me. Um, but best by far of that one was Revenge of the Sith. And then as far as for the sequel trilogy, uh, that one's kind of a tough one. I, I guess I'll go Force Awakens, but... I know this will be a controversy to some, but I actually was kind of a fan of The Last Jedi. I just thought the art direction and everything was really cool with uh, the red sand and everything. Mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, that it was something that was different, too. But, I, I mean, I can kind of see the issues that some people have with the sequel trilogy in terms of the character development or lack of development for some. But um, I'd, I'd say for, you know, favorite of those of the trilogy sets... 
the best of the original is Empire Strikes Back, then Revenge of the Sith, and then uh, Force Force Awakens. Right. You want me to go, Matt, or you want to go? You're good, Scotty. You go ahead. Uh, okay, my my choices, uh, my choices, Josh, are pretty similar to yours. Um, a little bit different reasons. Uh, back out of the original trilogy, yes, it, by all means, yes. It, it's still, I, I still at some point, like once a year, have to watch the original trilogy. It's and, one of the greatest plot twists of all time. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, the Empire Strikes Back. Um, that you know, Luke, I'm your father. And everything, and that, that whole moment is iconic. Mm-hmm. One of the best moments in, in movie history. Um, yeah. But that whole that whole thing, the um, the ATAT fight, um, in the um, I forgot what the planet's called with the uh, snow Hoth, and everything. I Hoth, yes, Hoth, yes, Hoth. Um, everything about that's great. That is by far that's the Godfather of Star Wars movies to me. And I, I can agree with that. And uh, on the um, again, I would say the same thing. Revenge of the Sith blew the other two out of the water. Um, if they had ever actually started with Episode One, the way they actually made the movies, like if, if if Phantom Menace was the first Star Wars movie ever made, I would have probably never got into it <laughs> because I, just, yeah. I tried to set through that movie and I, it was it was hard. But Revenge of the Sith, um, you know, watching Anakin turn from just like the little kid, and you could see you could just constantly see in the first. Uh, right in the first movie was the the gradual turning the evil of Anakin. How he just slowly yeah. but surely you could just tell he had it in him. And then in the third one, man, he just let it fly. And mm-hmm. so Revenge of the Sith would absolutely be my, my favorite out of those. Um and the and the fight between him and Obi Wan in, in in the law. Uh, yes. Yes. Um that I'd say that's then, the best lightsaber duel ever. Might be. And uh, on the on the new ones, man, I, I'll be honest, I I enjoyed them not as much as I hoped I would. And the, the Force Awakens is my favorite. It gave you that kind of mix of like, okay, here's here's some of the older characters. My my my, you know, I love Han Solo, love Chewie, and when when they came out back in, into our lives, the guy the uh, when they walked into the uh, Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. after Ray had gone, yeah. it was awesome, and they. In that and, and and they introduce you to the new characters, and they introduce a lot of ideas in that in that movie, and a lot of just you know things that you you just, you wondered where it was going, and then the last two they just kind of I don't want to say dropped the ball because I, I enjoyed the Rise of Skywalker, the Last Jedi, I kind of it took me three times to finish it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can I can see that side of it too, though. But I don't know. Just for some reason, I enjoyed it. And you you were right on one thing: the the art and everything. It looked cool. It really did. Like it, it had a great look to it. I, I just didn't like what they did with the characters in it. Uh, it seemed like they just abandoned everything that I liked about the Force Awakens. And then with the Rise of Skywalker, they were trying to let's bring it back around. And some ways it did, some ways it didn't. Well, and I think that has to do with the directorial change from where Rian Johnson is sandwiched in between two J.J. Uh, Abrams movies. 
Yes. If JJ would have been there in episode eight, I think it would have been more cohesive. Yes. Yes, because then you're getting you're you're simply getting one one director and his and only his vision. Even if you don't like it, 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 it ties loose ends that he had in mind to tie, and not not someone else. And that's else. why the pre and that's why the prequels are getting more love is because even though at first it wasn't as good, it was all George Lucas. Yes. So, but now Matt, let's throw it to you. I know you hadn't seen any of the uh, sequel trilogy, so we'll throw that one out the books. But we'll go of the original and the prequel trilogy for you. Which one? Which ones are the ones? Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with you completely on both choices, with uh, the Empire Strikes Back and Revenge of the Sith. But I am going to put an honorable mention for the Phantom Menace because it has my favorite fight with young Obi Wan and Qui Gon against uh, Darth Maul. When we do no. have to mention that duel, that is one of the better duels of the yes. entire prequel trilogy. I mean, that's my favorite seeing, personally. Seeing Darth Maul hit that double blade for the first time, it's just that's when that's when it's like it's about to go down. <laughs> You're the, you could hear people in the theater gasp as soon as the double blade went up. Because yep. who oh, I still get chills thinking about that actually. Man, that that's the number one thing from that movie. I remember that. I, I only remember three things from that from that movie. I remember the pod race being incredibly long. I, yes, I remember. <laughs> I remember. I remember the awesome lightsaber battle at the end. That that was great. And Darth, yeah, Darth Maul. If there was never, if Vader wasn't in your mind, Darth Maul would probably strike terror in little kids. If if they didn't have that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and I remember, and I remember Jar Jar Binks and wishing he would get lightsabered. Um, don't we all? <laughs> now, a couple of things before we close the Star Wars subject for uh, this week. The Phantom Menace had an awesome Easter egg that I discovered when uh, rewatching. If you get closer towards the end of the end credits, you hear Darth Vader breathing. Oh, fun fact that I didn't even know. Until all these years later, that's why wow. sometimes you got to stick around for the end credits because there's those little Easter eggs. But yeah, it gets to the part where it talks about like the THX or the audio that used to be used around the, for the theaters at that point. Um, it came up with that little public message if there was a problem, yada 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 stuff like that. And then that's when Darth Vader's breathing took in, and I was like, all these years, and I missed that. I never knew that either. Yeah. So, (laughs) and thanks to a YouTube channel called Star Wars Theory, I was able to discover a lot of this stuff. Uh, That They've done a lot of things of what ifs, like uh, what if uh, Anakin had taken out Palpatine, or, you know, what if he had turned back to the light, stuff like that, yada, yada, and all those natures. Um, But I will say, though... Episode two, that movie kind of dragged, but seeing Yoda light up the lightsaber, I mean, come on. that You could not just enjoy seeing that, that little old green man just be like, all right, let's, let's see what you're made of. Yep. So, I, I mean, it. I know this the CGI was what it was, but, I mean, you got to admit, that was actually a pretty cool moment. <laughs> I gotta admit, man, that was that was actually back in my in the days where I was where uh, in my you know 
early college days. I was a little bit wilder than what I am now. And I had to rewind that. When I first saw Yoda doing backflips and everything else like that and somersaults and breaking out the lightsaber, I had to rewind that off. I had to actually rewind it and think to myself, am I okay and am I seeing this right? (laughs) I love it. I love it. That, that was kind of me I, looking back I, on it. I'm like, this little dude, I didn't know he had it in. And going back to Revenge of the Sith one more time, too. Think about it. Not only do you have the greatest possibly lightsaber duel of all time going on, you also have Yoda and Palpatine trading lightsaber and force lightning at the same time. Yes. I mean, how everything was be able to be integrated like that. That was just, I mean, it was just beautifully woven together, actually, in that part. So, you know, kudos to. But I'll tell you what. uh, Yeah, I'm I'm like, I'm like, if J.J. Abrams would have had the whole sequel trilogy, I think it would have been a lot better than what it was. And I think. Uh, Finn from the sequel trilogy was one of the biggest reasons that the ball was dropped because he was so prominent in the first mm-hmm. one. Then he was just just <laughs> became an afterthought. Yes, he did. But I yep. think he, I think he and Ray would have made a really great team at that point and everything. Because you know, eventually maybe Ray could have taken Finn kind of like under the wing or have them both sitting in that umbrella tree or whatever the case is of learning from the best. I think that would have been a better cap off there. And then if you're going to do the vision thing with Luke, I think that would have been more so should have been in nine than in eight in my personal opinion. Yes. They jumped, they jumped the gun on that one. Yeah. I I felt like he was almost in, in last Jedi. I almost feel like he was, he was wasted. In, in that in that one, yeah. To where, to where he is like because I'm you're all to me the two the, the top two guys you're always going to think about in Star Wars the top two characters Vader and Luke Skywalker, and to have son, yes, and to have him come back at the end of Force Awakens, and you're thinking he's just going to be this Ray, and in the Last Jedi I don't, I don't know man it just felt like he was just you know. That they, you said it yourself. They, they just blew an opportunity right there. Yeah, they had, they had all kinds of, and I, I really think it was that directorial change because mm-hmm. I think that really hurt a lot of the potential with stuff like that. But um, you know, it, it it is what it is. What can what can we say about it? But um, makes me all the more excited for the Obi Wan series that's coming out on Disney Plus because you and McGregor one of my favorite actors to portray any kind of Jedi. I mean, anybody will say Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson's a given. But Ewan <laughs> McGregor as Obi-Wan was, I think, the light of the uh, the prequel trilogy by far. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that, the Obi-Wan series, I, I'm, I'm actually more excited for it than I am, like, season three of The Mandalorian or – uh, any, any of the Marvel series coming up on on, on Disney Plus, I, I'm I'm pumped for for Obi Wan. And that will drop 
May 27th, and they're and because of the delay, they're actually going to drop two episodes to start out. So kudos to them for rewarding fans for the delay. But I'd rather it be good than be rushed. Yes. So. But anyway, on to another subject. Uh, Matt, you still with us, partner? I am still with y'all. You guys – you guys were way more into Star Wars than I am. I just let you guys. I took. I put autopilot on, sat back in my seat, and I let you guys handle it. Welcome to the learning tree, my young Padawan. Padawan, good point. We'll see. Yeah. So, I mean, at, at best, at best, I'd say I'm more knight than master. But I mean, I'm still, I'm still learning. But you know. <laughs> It, there, I'm there's Jar- always still a lot to learn. I'm Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> no, if you're not say- Jar Jar Binks. You're not if Jar Jar say- Binks because Jar Jar Binks is a curse. You're not. Yes. You're not that at all. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be Chewbacca. I just don't notice that. Fair enough. That's that's fair <laughs> enough. We we need we we need some piloting going on around here. <laughs> oh, and there was one more point. Rogue One was actually kind of underrated in how it told the story of how the Death Star plans kind of came into uh, fruition there. I thought that was actually a, a pretty underrated uh, spinoff movie that I actually kind of really enjoyed, especially the Vader scene when he attacks the Rebel army. But, I mean, honestly, I think it, it was kind of nice to see a different change of pace, but then not go too far away from the lore. I absolutely loved Rogue One. I did. I enjoyed that. But honestly, I, I probably that's probably my favorite non-original trilogy movie. And uh, it actually, I mean, I know it ties in. It connects episode. It connects Revenge of the Sith to A New Hope, and with the plans of the Death Star and everything. But like, it really, I, I love. There was no real Jedi action in it. There was no nothing like that. That was just like a, and recovery mission, and yeah, and. Yeah, and it was just full on scale war. Yeah, it was awesome, and I loved. I, I'm, I can't remember his name. The the blind guy who thought he had the force. Um, I oh thought he gosh, was like, what was his he name? Show. Yeah. He, he stole the show. He did. He did. All right. Well, I think we've warmed up with uh, Star Wars conversation for one po- podcast, but uh, we'll talk a little more Star Wars next week since it is Star Wars month. So it would be a failed duty to not be talking about Star Wars on Star Wars Month. Right. But, I promise I'll brush up and I'll be more engaged next time. <laughs> hey, we've we've given you a lot of information to uh, take in and prepare. So uh, yeah, so the training will now officially commence. But now we digress from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away to the here and now with the world of sports in terms of the NFL draft and the NBA playoffs. First, Scotty, let's throw to you a question here. Do you follow sports? If so, what are your teams? What are your teams of choice? Okay. Matt already knows. But um, I'm a big – grew up loving basketball and football. That's my – Right. And, uh, you know, been been, uh, (laughs) – I am a diehard, lifelong, to the bone Dallas Cowboys fan. Period. Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold that against you because <laughs> you know this is 
first meeting, and you know what? With the Star Wars talk, I can forgive being uh, the Cowboys fan. But, you know, I'm New Orleans Saints fan, so I'm also a little bit lesser of two evils at this point. So, <laughs> yeah, I will tell you uh, this. If, if you're a cow- I understand that the Cowboys are the, the NFL. I understand that the Cowboys represent the dark side. I, I, I understand that. But at I don't the same know about time, that, man. Uh, the Cowboys to me represent Jar Jar Binks. I want to sit back on this one and just uh, take this one in. <laughs> this, this is where I'm. This is, this is where I'm supposed to say that we got five Super Bowls and, and when I was you may have and just talk about the glory days for the next three hours, but I won't do that. <laughs> But um, but anyway, um, no man. To to be honest with you, um, actually, my like the other team that I keep up with and that I, I've always liked, it actually is the Saints. And oh, um, well, yeah, yeah it I was that way. Definitely, I definitely <laughs> don't hold that against you now. <laughs> and before they got Drew Brees, man, like because I like I said, I've always known when growing up they were they were the team. The Saints were always just kind of bad, and um. They were, they were one of those teams, those underdog teams, you just always kind of, you know, felt sorry for. And you, you watched them. And I, I kind of what caught my eye at first was just simply um, the uniforms. I always liked that uniform color, the gold and the black. It all looked cool. And uh, I remember, God, I remember Deuce McAllister. Um, I remember. Yeah, he was a beast. Yes. Uh, I was always kind of a Drew Brees fan anyway when he was in the Chargers. Him. And they drafted Reggie Bush. And that that whole team, that whole era, man, uh, I loved. I mean, my favorite non-Dallas NFL memory is uh, Saints winning the Super Bowl. It really is. And that one for me that's right up there was the Saints' return to the Superdome after Hurricane Katrina with all this new team and everything. They, the Falcons, wasn't even. I don't care how ready the Falcons were at that point; they weren't beating the Saints that night on Monday Night Football. Nope. Nobody was. Nobody was that. I will. I will die on that hill saying that that no team was going to beat the Saints in the Superdome on Monday Night Football first time back. Ain't no. Way. I remember being. I remember being excited for that single game because they made such a big. De- I mean, it was. It was like a. It was like a parade, man, on the field. Like I remember Green Day played the anthem that that time, and like they played the Saints are coming. And you yeah, two uh, was there as well, I, I believe. It was Green Day and you two. It's like, okay, it's Drew Brees and the Saints, Michael Vick and the Falcons, and, oh, my gosh, the Falcons got smashed. I, I still remember that. It, was, it, it all was, started with that blocked punt. Oh, yep. that was a thing of beauty. That one was yep. a thing of beauty. But um, but uh, what about basketball teams? Because I've, t- I've told Matt about this before. I'm not really more of a team fan as opposed to I am more of a player fan, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, because teams can come and go so easy in the NBA that yes. you know I just want to see who can stand out as opposed to what team stands out now. Because basically, top teams in the NBA at this point is just like flavor of the month. <laughs> yep. If I, I I use this analogy in today's NBA, and I'm I'm not, I'm trying not to sound like the old guy here, like oh well, back in my day, you know. All you kids go off my lawn now, and all you kids go off my court. Um, 
Nowadays, okay, if, if you play pickup basketball, that's basically what the NBA is now. It's like you, you cycle through the teams. Oh, we lost. Well, let's go pick up this guy for next year. Uh, if LeBron's there, he's going to pick up the, the entire team anyway, whoever he wants. And it's just it, it's pickup basketball. It's professional pickup basketball is all the NBA is now. And I'm I'm not I, you know I'll be honest I don't watch a whole lot of it uh, today. I grew up a um, a Laker fan. Um, yep, as, I, as did my dad, and they were really the first team that I followed with the uh, Shaq Kobe dynasty when I was growing up. Dad was back in the days of West Chamberlain and then Magic and Kareem. That was where okay. His I, fandom really extended to. I caught the I caught from the middle to the end. Of magic, of magic and Kareem, mostly, mostly magic. And uh, my the favorite Showtime. player, Showtime, loved it. And that's when I first got into basketball. And my favorite player was always Michael Jordan, but my team was the Lakers. And it always was. Up until the last few years, I, you know, it's, it's no secret if you know me, I'm not a, I'm not a LeBron fan. And uh, that was the start of my phasing out the Lakers and phasing out the NBA a little bit, you know, to – yeah, I might go back into it later on. I, I watch a ton of college ball. But, um, no, the Lakers were always my team, and I, I absolutely loved the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. Like, I, that was my – because when, when Magic and all of them were going through the Showtime era, I was, I was just a kid. I was just, like, you know, uh, under 10 years old. And then as I got up and got older, I still followed the Lakers like crazy. Uh, the only team I liked more than them was the Cowboys. And man, when when they got Shaq, I thought, oh my gosh, we're ready to take, we're ready to just take off when Shaq joined. And, and take off the and take off. It took a little bit, but you know, once Shaq and Kobe finally started to get the heads together, then that's when it really became a force to be reckoned with. Yes. You know one the thing only, I always hated. What's that? You know, I always hated I mean, everybody who knows me knows I'm diehard Kobe Bryant. He was my favorite player, and he's my sports idol when it comes to basketball. Mm-hmm. I always hated that Shaq Carey. I would almost say that maybe outside of Jordan, uh, anybody that was teamed up, any wing player that was teamed up besides Shaquille O'Neal was not winning the MVP award of those three finals. I don't care who you were. LeBron, Tracy McGrady, Kobe, Allen Iverson, I don't care. Oh, I well, agree. you got to think, you got to think too, though. Shaq was at that point really in the prime of his career. I mean, right. any anybody who could, you know, and I mean, he said it before that he's shown up to, you know, start of the training camp or whatever out of shape and everything like that. But then once the season got going, he was putting up those MVP type center numbers that we don't see today, it seems like in some parts. That's why Shaq is always on these big men because, you know, you got Giannis, who's one of the best centers in the world. He's out there taking threes. Same with Joel Embiid. Why are you guys taking threes? You guys can dominate the paint. And, you know, if you could dominate the paint, eventually the other threes are going to run out. Yep. Because even as great a player as Steph Curry is, and Matt, you know this, you know I am a Steph Curry fan. Right. Because, you know, not only is he the greatest three-point shooter out there, but he just makes he just makes the game look good as opposed to some of the other superstar players out there. I mean, he's more fun to watch. He's more dynamic at this point. It's not necessarily because he's small or anything like that. It's because he's a threat. 
Like he feels like a legitimate threat when he's out there. No doubt, man. You have to pick him yep. up. Once he crosses the half court line, you have to be there. Like, yes. You got to be there at three quarters court. What are you talking about? He can make it from three quarters court. If he if he could do it, he just throw full court, see if he could make the shot in. Probably could. Uh, Steph has changed the game a lot. And uh, Steph's actually, he, I mean, more or less, he's, he's as close as I've ever seen anybody come to dominating from past the three-point line like Shaq dominated in, in the lane. And, no, that's actually a pretty good comparison. <laughs> that's actually a real good comparison. Well, I mean, if, if you think about it, like if you because if you control the paint in basketball, that's like controlling the line of scrimmage in, in football. And with with Shaq, and I'll take up for Shaq in this in this much. I think the guy had more skill than what a lot of people give him credit for. I, I, he was he was more he was more skilled than what people remember. But at the same time, to what um, to what Matt said a while ago, you, no no great player on the wing was winning the MVP award back then if you played with him, simply because it you know Kobe was far more skilled. Far, of course he was far more skilled than Shaq. But part of the game of basketball is matchups. And if you simply have a guy inside who may not be as skilled as Kobe, few were, uh, but if if it's just a matchup nightmare where you can just throw it into him and it just simply doesn't matter who you have on, you can't stop somebody like that. That's just that big and, and dominant. You know, then the more skilled guys probably want to take a back seat. Yeah. But uh, that's kind of like what what it is with Steph now. But, I mean, you know, you have guys there that, you know, are willing to fill in those roles instead of looking for number one. And really, right. Steph don't – and Steph doesn't really look for number one either. I mean, because, I mean, he's a point guard. He, he does, you know, different – he does – he impacts the game in different ways besides just the three-point shot. You know what we, Steph's most underrated stat is? Her ability. What's that? His off-ball movement. Like, he's always moving around the court at all times. Yes. Like, whoever's defending him, it has to be a complete team effort because if Steph gets away from his man and you're playing man-to-man, if he gets any distance, uh, that three's going up and most likely it's going in. Yep. It's, it's then, hard to say. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. Oh, no. And I was just going to say, too, to that point, his conditioning when he is prime and healthy, he's probably the best conditioned player out there because you see him out there, he barely takes a break on the bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you took the words out of my mouth, man. That's, that's why I was, I was going to talk about his his cardio is has got to be off the charts because like he's he's going through five hundred screens a game basically. It's just hard to chase somebody around that many screens when he when he goes off the ball, and when you fact when you factor in like he's. He's by NBA only by NBA standards because if he came if he came down to West Virginia he'd just run he'd just run over everybody all day long. But, oh, easy. But if by NBA standards, Steph's not a great athlete. But if you go by NBA standards, right? But, but he is just so conditioned. He is super skilled and he's super smart. And his dad, I mean, he got it from his dad. I mean, you know, his dad played in the league. His dad, his dad was a pretty good player. Yeah, but he had, yeah, that that was that was good. But he really has done a whole lot to change the game, and really, there's nobody else like everybody's trying to be the next Steph Curry. Like, I mean, you see, like Damian Lillard, he's launching forty footers or whatever, and you know, and James Damian, Harden, 
James, yeah, James Harden. Playing the but, Matador defense. Absolutely. Olay. Bro, one of James Harden's best defensive plays was he was chasing – somebody was running dead at him. I don't know if you guys have seen the footage. But he, like, turned around, like, fakes like he was going to swipe the ball. But somehow he actually hit it and knocked it out of bounds off the guy. And he wasn't even trying to play defense that time. It was, he just loved <laughs> he, he just loved into making a defensive play. That sounds about right. <laughs> that sounds like hard right there. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. But uh, what about the NBA playoffs, fellas? You you have a team you're rooting for? I mean. Well, um, I oh, uh, you, you go first on this one. Um, you know, I, I don't really have a team I'm rooting for right now. It, I, I did check it, check it out last year, and it was cool to see Milwaukee win it just because it's one. And I do like Giannis. I, um, he's, you know, he, he's, a, he's a freak of nature, similar to Shaq. And uh, I, it was fun seeing them win it last year. And if I guess if I had to pick one this year uh, from what I have watched, um, Phoenix is pretty entertaining to watch. I, I, like, I like the way they play. Chris Paul's on uh, another level right now. Yes, Golly. basketball genius. But uh, uh, I can't. players like Chris Paul is who I tried to mimic my game after because I've never been athletic. I have the vertical jump of a white man been held down by a boat anchor underwater. Like I don't get up. I don't get up at all. And I mean, Scotty has played against me several times, and he knows I. He knows all I do is shoot the skin off the ball. <laughs> hey, but it, it goes in though, Matt. It all matters. It goes in. You make it work. There you go. That's all you can ask for. But I always watch those players that have more skill, like you said. Like I watched a lot of, you know, nineteen ninety six to two thousand three Jordan when he got older and some of his athleticism waned. A lot of like two thousand ten to sixteen Kobe. You know, Larry Bird wasn't that athletic either, but he was just so skilled. I, I love Larry Bird. And as a Lakers fan, that kind of hurts. But uh, Larry Bird was just scary good. Like, I always say, everybody's like, are you sure you're a Lakers fan? Because you think Bird's better than Magic? I'm like, I think Bird's a better defender than Magic. He's obviously a better shooter and scorer. Magic has him on passing, but Bird's not shabby at passing either. Oh, no, not at all. And no, I mean, absolutely not. And Bert, I, my favorite kind of athlete is the tough ones. Like, that's why I can't get behind LeBron James. I can't get behind someone getting carried off the court for stomach – or not stomach, but leg cramps. I mean, I understand they're somewhat painful, but, I mean, you know, you can see Kobe in his last game, ter- his last game when he was actually Kobe and tearing his Achilles, willing the team to the playoffs and Jordan's yep. flu game and Brett, Brett Fard, he's my favorite quarterback of all time, has the most consecutive starts of any NFL player of all time. Yep. I just go with the dogs. Like, my favorite player in the league right now is probably Patrick Beverly. I, lo- I know he's annoying and I know he can be dirty, but he's a dog and he goes at whoever and he does not care and he has no fear. Yeah, he definitely has no fear. I will definitely give you that. <laughs> there is no fear in that man. No, there's, I mean, there's no fear at all. 
it hurts as a Lakers fan, but when he blocked LeBron that one, I think it was this year, might have been last year, when he knocked the ball off LeBron out of game, I'm like, I don't like LeBron. Like, I actually had the chance to go to a Lakers game. My fiance was going to buy me tickets for Christmas, and I'm like, you know, there's actually not anybody on the Lakers I particularly care about. I mean, I still support them because they're my team, but there's nobody on the team that I would pay money or have someone pay money for me to go see. And, you know, I think also this, man, with with a whole lot of the Lakers issues, and I don't want to make this like Laker centric, but I mean, a lot of their issues is the casual Laker fans that, that are just there, you know, they don't dive deep into how basketball works. They're, they want the stars. And I'm a fan of how, how hard Russell Westbrook plays and how good he actually is. But when you get guys like, LeBron, and then they traded for they traded for Westbrook, and then they had Anthony Davis on there as well. They brought in Carmelo Anthony with, with whatever he has left, and the fans went nuts expecting a championship because of the name value. But at the same time, man, like those guys don't gel. Yeah, I mean that reminds you of the '04 Lakers too, when they brought in forty-year-old Carl Malone and thirty-year, four-year-old Gary Payton. Everybody's like, "Oh my goodness, we we have the best perimeter defender, point guard of all time," and the greatest scoring power forward ever along with Shaq and Kobe. I'm like, guys, I mean you've also got age is what you got. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. And they they it just didn't work. I, they did get to the finals that year somehow. I don't even know how they got to the finals. But they absolutely did not gel at all. And that's but the Laker fans, I mean the, the everyday Laker fans were just going nuts over that because you had four Hall of Famers on your team. And with this year's squad, it's like, yeah, you had four Hall, future Hall of Famers, but at the same time, you could have kept Brandon Ingram. You could have kept Lonzo Ball, who, I mean, however you feel about Lonzo is one thing, but he's a point guard who's not bad. And he, he's I mean, a defender and passer. Yeah, he, he can run your offense for you. He, he can do that. And that, that's good enough. I mean, they gave up so much to get these guys, and they're sitting home right now. Right. They, they paid for ego. They paid yes. for ego, and you know I I'm not trying to trash y'all's team or anything like that, but I'm one who just calls it like I see it. They paid for three giant egos that cannot coexist in the same world. Right. Well, you ain't talking I'm not. I'm not, th- I'm not throwing. I'm not throwing Mello in there because Mello deserved better than this garbage. Well, um, I'm gonna tell you, you're not talking trash. I talk more trash about the Lakers than you. Yeah, I'm down on the Lakers. So go ahead. <laughs> I mean, Melo did not deserve this trash. No. Neither did um, the young guys like Austin Reeves. I mean, when Caruso, when Alex Caruso is even doing better than your star point guard, you're in trouble. I can't hey, uh, about Caruso. He was my favorite Laker when the young Lakers were still around. <laughs> So, hey guys, uh, I I had to say this. I, I apologize. It took me forever to get on here, and I I do apologize. I've got to. Um, I'm probably going to have to bounce off here and everything because uh, work is calling early in the morning, so I'm going to have to bounce out. But I have greatly enjoyed this. Oh, for sure, hey, we, we were we were happy to have you on, and it was great. Meet, come back, come back on you for the time. first time. Uh, yeah, um, it's my pleasure, guys. God bless you guys. And like I said, if, if uh, you guys want me back on, just you know, hit me up. I'll, I'll see what I, I'll see when I can do it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. You too. All right, man.
and that was uh scotty lux and there we definitely thank scotty for being on and uh man that was a lot of fun there being able to chat basketball and chat star wars especially with the star wars conversation uh so it was actually kind of cool to find someone who i can actually kind of bounce some of this off with now i know i can bounce it off with you and stuff like that but you know just being able to bounce even more information off um so that will definitely help in your training process that's why i like that third that's why i like the third person we have different you know if we talk about sports with me and you for example you know football Steelers, saints basketball you're a fan of players i like the lakers you know having different people gives you that third perspective oh yeah absolutely and it, it allows for more dialogue options you know Oh, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Well, let's uh, dive into a little bit more of uh, NFL as the draft is most definitely over. But a good day for uh, being a Saints fan when they were able to sign in one Tyron Matthew away from uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. So that was a huge, huge, huge pickup for that Saints defense. And I know you and I have talked about it with uh, some of the age of some of these Saints players. Sometimes they're better defenses when they have older players. Let's just that, face facts. That is true. That is very true. I, I will not argue with that. Because, I mean, yeah, guys like uh, Will Smith, God rest his soul, who was part of that defensive squad and uh, – Scott Shanley, uh, one of the better linebackers they had. But um, – and then Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins was really good, uh, oh, very for, good. New, for New Orleans, and he will sorely be missed, but uh, definitely deserving of the retirement. Good to see him also get a championship. Uh, it'd be part of Philadelphia's first uh, championship. Now, you know, neither of us are necessarily Eagles fans, but, I mean – Kudos to anybody who can beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So, props to that Eagles team for being able to pull off what is seemingly the impossible. Listen, I will say this. I was the biggest Tom Brady hater for the longest time. I wanted to see the dude fail more than anything. But I'm at the point now that I don't care about – I care about greatness and – uh. I mean, Tom Brady threw, like, four touchdowns, like, 500 yards in that Super Bowl and still lost. Yeah. If, just, only he, if only he caught the football. Well, we already saw how that tried to go, so. We, we know, <laughs> yeah. We, we know he we, can't do that. No, but uh, if he would have caught the ball, we could be having a different conversation, but it's okay. Brady may not have caught the ball, but he'll always have 28-3. to three. Did you see uh, – I don't figure you're really big on the whole TikTok thing. But Tom Brady is a huge social media presence on there. And uh, he stitched, which is like kind of responded to a video that Justin Bieber put out. Uh That says, say something honest. And he goes, okay. And he like looks around the room. He goes, the tough rule game against the Raiders might have been a fumble. Oh, man. (laughs) And Tom Brady, you just don't see it. But Tom Brady, outside of the gridiron, is an absolutely hilarious person. Tom Brady is funny. 
Yeah, that that's trolling right there, but that actually is funny. I actually got a kick out of that, so I can't say anything one way or the other on that. So that's actually pretty funny. Well, we know you got Tyron Matthew, but how did you feel about the Saints draft as a whole? If you had to give it a letter grade, what picks did you like? What picks did you think could have been better? Um, I'd probably give it about a B. I mean, the pick, the pick for the uh, extra receiver is always good because we, we need some hands on deck because um, we had some guys drop some passes last year that shouldn't have been dropped. Um, but then again, too, it'll also help when we have a healthy quarterback. That's true. So, and then uh, getting some defensive help it was a definite must because, you know, always need to filter in uh, a good defense because if you get enough offensive power, that Saints offense can go. We know that. But the one problem sometimes with the Saints was always at the defensive end. And it was only because of Drew Brees' age and basically breaking every rib in his body that cost the Saints uh, the year when uh, Brady knocked them out for the final time. Because um, I thought that was a well kind of put together Saints team. It was just a shame that Brees got hurt in the way that he did because I think they probably could have made a deeper run than what they did. We'd right. be having a, a different conversation. Now, I don't know if it would have been – if it would have been Super Bowl, because you also you have to take that Kansas City team being really good at that point. But I mean, there definitely would have had to have been some conversation there. But I think Breeze getting hurt definitely really put a hurting on that season for sure. But you know, because um, I think if Breeze would have stayed healthy, that would have been one of the more put together Saints teams outside of the team that got uh, robbed on a pass interference call to make sure that the L.A. Rams got to a Super Bowl that they ended up losing to and ended up crapping the bed. But nonetheless, in any event, I was at least allowed to see Saints win a Super Bowl, so I can at least have that on record. Yeah, keep in mind, the Steelers may have more Super Bowls, but you've seen one more frequently than I have. But um, I'll tell you what, uh, I think we we have a pretty good wild card uh, type team. Because, I mean, to be honest, you, you still got to get past Tampa Bay. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what Atlanta has now that they're basically really starting fresh. I mean, it may take Atlanta a little bit to kind of get everything together um, since Matt Ryan is not there anymore. I believe he's in Indianapolis now, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you're right. Um, so we'll see the Atlanta rebuilding process. Um, and then Carolina's Carolina, they're hit or miss. Um, so, I mean, I think we have a good wild card shot. Um, you know, I can be, you know, I could be optimistic or really be in there, but I got to be realistic about stuff. You know, they still got to get past Brady and the Buccaneers. Right. Because, you know, Last year was kind of really up and down, and when the downs were there, they were there, especially when the Saints had all those players out because of COVID. That hurt uh, in that game for sure. But um, 
you know, I I have hopes that uh, I think that they can make a wild card this year, especially since some of the NFC teams are either rebuilding or are in the NFC East. I'm really not. Sh- I'm not sure about the Steelers. It, it there's so many variables. It, if Mitch Trubisky starts, if we decide to start Kenny Pickett, um, it, it, I mean, right now, I believe. I'll go ahead and say the Steelers are probably going to be the third team in the division, barring some kind of injury to, like, Burrow or Lamar Jackson. And, heck, we could end up fourth if Deshaun Watson doesn't get suspended and he turns out to be worth the price tag that the Browns gave up for him. So. I think I think Cleveland's going to Cleveland. I think you guys are going to be third. I think Cleveland's going to Cleveland. And, uh, you know, that's all I can say about that. That's all you need to say about it. Cleveland is going to be Cleveland. If I give the Steelers draft a B plus, our first four rounds, I think we did phenomenal. I mean, maybe with the third round pick, I would have probably went with a offensive tackle or something. But the fact that we didn't take any guards in the draft and the fact that old cripple Ben Roethlisberger was on the run in his <laughs> 19th season, man, um, that doesn't bode well. Now, no. I guess that I guess I guess possibly part of the reason they didn't go after him is because they don't have the statue, Big Ben, been a statue in there anymore. They actually have two choices. Well, Mason Rudolph's not really a slack at running either. So, I mean, they've got three mobile quarterbacks. So, yeah, I mean, I think you guys will probably end up third in the division because I just have I just have that feeling about Cleveland. That Cleveland's going to Cleveland. They always do in the end. Don't worry. Just wait. They will not let you down. It's like when Stephen A. Smith talks about the Cowboys. Accident waiting to happen. The Browns are more of an accident waiting to happen than what Dallas is. But I definitely think we have a good core for the future with – I mean, T.J. Watt's still relatively young. Um, Oh, yeah. Then you got Pat Fryermuth. He's a decent tight end. Najee Harris and Kenny Pickett and uh, George Pickens. I mean, there's uh, gotcha. Yeah, uh, we uh, it'll it'll definitely be an interesting conversation for sure as the season progresses. But um, we're going to take a break a little bit in the NFL action, and this just went final. The Philadelphia 76ers have just knocked off the Miami Heat in Game 3 by a score of 99-79, to taking that series now to two games to one with Game 4 on Sunday. As for Boston and Milwaukee, they will play Game 3 tomorrow with the series tied at one and the series now in Milwaukee as opposed to Boston. Joel Embiid was back in action for Philadelphia, and he had the uh, face mask on to cover his... uh, orbital fracture that he had had, uh, but was able to pull in 18 points and 11 rebounds. So he was at least uh, a contributing factor in those 36 minutes to help the uh, 76ers be able to get a foot back into the series here against Miami. So we'll see what happens with game four in Philadelphia. The uh, other game in action for tonight is getting ready to tip off here in a little bit with uh, the Phoenix Suns in Dallas, taking on Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. And 
We'll see what happens with Chris Paul celebrating the 37th birthday today, if he can wrap himself a present up and get a Game 3 win to put the Suns one win away uh, from the Western Conference Finals. So we will get uh, predictions here in just a second. Uh, Let's see. You back with us? Yeah, I'm back with you. All right. So I'm sure you probably caught into a little bit of the conversation there, but uh, where do you see the series going tonight for uh, Dallas and Phoenix? It's in. We got a game three in Dallas, and Luca has been a house of fire, even though the rest of the Mavericks haven't. That's what I think. I think Doncic is just going to exhaust himself as the series goes, and the, the rest of the Mavericks aren't going to be able to elevate him. So I I have Phoenix in, I don't know if I want to say a sweep, man. Uh, I, I was I, going to say five. I'm going to say Suns in five. Yeah, I'm going to say Suns in five. I'll, get, I'll, I'll give the Mavericks this game. And then I think the Suns will be like, oh, no, we're not going to let you do this. And then I think they end them in a – I think it's actually going to be the other way around. I think the Suns are going to win on Chris Paul's birthday today. Then the Mavericks will take game four because they'll be desperate. And then the Suns will close them out. All right, we shall see. But I'll go ahead and put a final tally in this game since I said the Mavericks are going to win. I'm going to say Mavericks 112 to 105. I'm going to go... Suns 108-101. We're definitely going to have to check back in next week's podcast and see who's more accurate. And uh, since we're talking Eastern Conference Finals and everything like that, and uh, we just saw the game go final here, how do you see the series going with the Heat and the 76ers? It was big for Philadelphia to have Embiid back tonight. Um, And, you know, he was able to contribute and stay out on the floor for a pretty good while, even with that orbital bone fracture uh, up near his eye. He was able to bring in 36 minutes and have 18 points and 11 rebounds. So, I mean, that was that's big for Philadelphia because, you know, now they are definitely out of the sweep. They, they're they starting to steer the ship, try to steer the ship back a little bit, and game four is still in Philadelphia. Um, I see that one actually going more towards the 6-7 route. Um, I'm not sure yet. It just kind of depends, on I think, on how Embiid plays in game four. So I'm going to say if Embiid starts getting to feeling back to a little bit more like Embiid, I see the series going seven. Otherwise, I think it ends in six. I'm going, but, I'm going, I'm going to go Miami in six. I'm going to say – that the the seventy sixers are going to get like a a boost of adrenaline from having Embiid back in the lineup, and that's going to renew their confidence. And I just think Miami's too deep for Philadelphia. They have so many wings they can throw at Harden, and Bam Adebayo is one of the better defensive centers in the league. So he obviously he's not going to stop an MVP caliber player like Embiid, but he definitely could hinder him, especially dealing with an orbital fracture, like you said. So I'm going. I'm going to say Philadelphia wins the next game, ties it 2-2, and then Miami's just like, we can't let this happen. They're going to win the next two and win six. 
I think I wanna I wanna go a little bold. I'm gonna say Philadelphia ties the series. They'll steal game five. Then the Heat take the next two. All right, so the only difference between us is you have Philadelphia winning a third game. Yeah, I see. I I want to I want to just go with it and say the series is going to go seven because we haven't had a game seven yet, and I just have a feeling this will be uh, a series that could. I feel like it might be Memphis and Golden State personally. Funny, I was going to say the same thing too about Boston and Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, it really depends. I mean, I read. A, I think there's. I think there's going to be. A, I think there's going to be at least two game sevens, possibly three. I saw. I saw a stat on a Bleacher Report today that said uh, Giannis has actually been held to like thirty percent shooting and horrible efficiency numbers by Al Horford. I tell you what, I mean, Horford might be in age there, but I mean, he can still go. Don't let the age fool you about Al Horford. Al Horford. He's a brute. Al Horford is a good player, for sure. He is a brute. But I think what's also going to help Golden State as well is this upcoming home stretch that they have um, for games. That could be a chance where they could really put some pressure on a young team like the Grizzlies. Because – Granted, this is not the same Warriors team that had Kevin Durant and stuff like that. That's fine. But you have the core three players of that first Warriors championship of this dynasty, Clay, Steph, and Draymond. You have a very good young up-and-coming player in Jordan Poole, who I think has really been doing some wonders for the Golden State Warriors. And then, you know, you have another young core in there with uh, Gary Payton Jr. and a lot of the, some of these other younger players. I mean, I'm not saying Golden State's going to win a championship by any means. Honestly, I think, uh, you know, honestly, I, I'm still leaning towards the Suns because they're on a revenge mission, especially w- with them having the best record in the NBA this year. And even though they had a little bit of trouble with New Orleans, they were like, okay, we took this team lightly. But – now we know we're going up against the Dallas team that relies heavily on Luka, and we don't have one guy that we have to heavily rely on. We got a deep bench. That's you true. Know, we we have <clears> – <throat> we may not have superstars, but we do have star players. Well, we do have a superstar in Chris Paul, but we're going to have a bigger superstar in Devin Booker who just landed a three-point shot to start the game for the Phoenix Suns as we as we speak. I've got it on my TV screen right now. They just tipped off, and Devin Booker, first shot already, bang. Devin Booker, I like him a lot. And I know, I mean, I guess it could be a partial bias, but I know Kobe was really fond of him. Well, I mean, and he's growing into his own, too. Oh, for sure. You know, he's he's really growing into his own. So, um. But then again, too, when you also have a, a point guard leader like Chris Paul in the right environment, then, you know, that's when he really starts to starts to show through and shine. Um, and then, you know, you have your power guys like a DeAndre Ayton or a Jay Crowder who was able to get by Luka there a little bit, but uh, 
nonetheless. Uh, so we'll go into, so we've got, we talked Heat 76ers and we've talked Suns Mavericks. So we might as well give some love to the other two series. We'll start with Memphis Golden State since we were talking about them. Um, I definitely see six and I'm, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to go Warriors in six based on the experience. I'm doing the same. I have the same exact guess as you. Um, the Grizzlies are just the Grizzlies are just a young team that haven't been there yet, and Golden State knows what you need to do to mm-hmm. reach that level. Yeah, I, th- I think the experience is going to pay off, and um, but then and uh, then again, you know, it's going to go. But the West is going to go through Phoenix no matter what, right? Um, and I don't see any team right now that's more completely put together than the Phoenix Suns. The only thing I wish the Suns had was Javon Carter still. But, uh, well, he's with the Bucks. He could be part of that rematch. And that's what I was going to tell you. Uh, that's actually what I was going to mention when I was telling you before Scotty got off. But I was going to tell you about who I was rooting for. I'm rooting for the Bucks so Javon Carter can get a ring. I hear you there. So that would be kind of cool, too. But, you know, it would be kind of cool to see the Suns as well because they've been close so many times with uh, Barkley um, and that team, and then the times where they were so close with uh, Nash, Stoudemire, Marion, D'Antoni, that whole core group there. Running into Jordan and the heir apparent to Jordan and Tim Duncan. Yeah, and uh, then also running into Dirk and the Mavericks. The Mavericks gave that team some trouble too, but, you know. that Those, the, those West teams that I grew up with, man, you had to win like 48, 50 games to even make the eighth seed. Yeah, and you still kind of do in some ways with the West. I mean, the West, I mean, yeah, some of the teams didn't have as good of records this year around, but usually, I mean, the class of the NBA is usually in the West. It has. It really hasn't been the East regularly since the days of the Isaiah, the Bird, Isaiah, Bird Celtics, the Isaiah Thomas Pistons, and the Jordan Bulls. Yeah, I could see that. Um because in the West, too, you know, you had teams like Utah. You had that San Antonio team coming up. Uh, you had Seattle back Sac- then. Sacramento um, Kings. Yeah, yep, Sacramento back then, too. Houston with yeah. McGrady and Yao. Yep. So, I mean, there was teams out there. KG the, and the, Man, it was good. Yeah, and then with the East, it was kind of more pattern-like. I mean – you had the Pistons on more occasions than most. You had the Heat for a little bit. You had the Cavs for a little while. You had the Magic for a little while. You had the Heat. I mean, I guess if there was a constant in the East in the 2000s, I guess more so than any team, it would probably be the Miami Heat. What about Boston? Well, that kind of came in the more in the, in the 2010s, but then they've also tapered off some too after the trade that ended the big three. But, you know, Miami, I think, has kind of had more of a little bit more of a playoff presence, even when they weren't the championship heat teams. Back when, you know, they had guys like an Alonzo Mourning um, who could run the boards and everything. Tim Hardaway and all those guys. Mm-hmm. Because then, you know, Wade was leading some of the playoff teams either with or without Shaq. You know, and then, you know, their their championship formative years and now coming back with uh, Jimmy Butler, Adebayo, and a lot of these other players. 
that we've just talked about. That's true. So they've been more of a constant. I mean, you know, you throw the 76ers in there too from the days of AI and now with uh, Embiid. And then you had the Nets for a little bit with uh, Kidd and Jefferson. And uh, then with uh, the injured big three that never played together, it seemed like, in Brooklyn to uh, the uh, uh, the ghost of Ben Simmons past. Um <laughs> Gosh, you know, this you know, dragged on so much. You know, the ghost of Christmas past played more basketball than what Ben Simmons has. You want to know something crazy? Dirk retired in 2019, and Dirk has played more games in the last like five seasons than John Wall. It's wild. It's wild how uh, some of these star players think they're still star players. It is. But man uh, though we, we are running a bit long on this podcast, man. We're we I think the first one went for about thirty minutes and we're at about an hour and seventeen on this section, the one where Scotty showed up. Yep. So uh we'll wrap things up here, but uh to wrap things up, what is your series take for Celtics Bucks? I'm saying Bucks that that I think that's a seven game series. I think the Bucks will steal Game Seven in Boston. I'm I'm going to go with Boston. Uh, I just I don't know why. I just feel like you know the Bucks do have a deep team, but I believe Boston's team might be a little deeper now. Granted, Boston doesn't have a player nearly on the magnet. Tatum, as fantastic as he is, is a tier below Giannis. And uh, but the Bu- the Bucks need Chris Middleton. The Bucks do the need Bucks Chris Middleton. Need Chris Middleton. If Middleton comes is able to come back, we don't know if he's going to. If he's able to come back, Bucks definitely win. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Celtics. As much as I hate as a Lakers fan, um, I just honestly one of my favorite players in the league is also on the Celtics right now. Marcus Smart. He's a dog, just like Beverly. Yeah. And I, I think you're because you're sticking with your prediction of uh, Sun Celtics, I believe, was what your finals prediction was. So that is my finals prediction. So hey, it's good that you're still dying on that hill there. So I, I I respect that. I don't change my mind, man, unless something happens and it's physically not possible. Well, we shall find out where everything stands next week on another episode of the Shrews Cast. So we thank you all for. Tuning in, joining with us for a lot of talk of Star Wars and a lot of talk of about of basketball, and really, it's almost going to be the same subject next week. But uh, we'll have a little bit of a different topic of discussion when it comes to Star Wars. We'll kind of dive a little bit deeper into the into the film side of the spectrum. I want to go back and get some study sessions going to uh, kind of get the mind right and. Also, I'm going to dive back into the Star Wars lineup of uh, video games starting tonight on the uh, PlayStation side with Fallen Order, Lego Star Wars, and Star Wars Squadrons. All right. Yes, sir. So, like, to echo what Josh said, we want to thank you all for listening. We especially want to thank Scotty Laxton for taking time out of his busy day to uh, hop on the Shrews cast, delayed though it may have been. And uh, Absolutely. We look forward to seeing you guys on the next one. Thank you. Okay.